Ladies and gentlemen, I'm full of optimism. Einstein's theory of relativity. We're still seeing it quite well through that haze. He might have 37 seconds. The fight is growing. E equals MC. That all men are created equal. About the future innovation. And growing strength in the air. This is Finding Your Frequency with your hosts, Jeff Spinard and Ryan Treasure. It's time to speak up, share your voice, and hear from the thought leaders. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another great episode of Finding Your Frequency. I'm your host, Ryan Treasure, and I bet we got a great show for you guys today. I think you're going to absolutely love this. I know a lot of the people that listen to the show, entrepreneurs, you guys are starting your own businesses or, um, you know, technology experts, marketers. We talk about it all on finding your frequency. Uh, we, we like to, we like to hear those stories from folks about how they found their frequency in life and in business. And, uh, we're going to continue on that path today. And, and we're going to talk about leadership and what is leadership and what's true leadership. And, uh, our guest today is a very accomplished human being, uh, an award-winning best-selling author of four books, uh, intent counseling founder, former general manager with 20 plus years of global pharmaceutical executive experience, and a Gallup certified strengths coach, business leadership, thought leader, motivator, speaker, and entrepreneur. Omar Harris is passionate about leading teams, high performance coaching, and inspiring future leaders today and tomorrow to adopt the servant leader mindset and stop toxic leadership behaviors. Omar, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. We're happy to be here, Ryan. Yeah, I really appreciate you. I know that we uh, had a couple of rescheduling snafus uh, throughout our journey, finally getting together. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, I, I appreciate your stick to with me uh, to, to get you on the oh, show definitely. because, uh, you know, talking about leadership is uh, a really important thing. I think especially right now with, you know, the, the COVID crisis and, you know, businesses are having to uh, switch gears and, and figure out how to do online training versus personal training and one-on-one -on -one and remote work. And, you know, all these different things that I don't think a lot of businesses were prepared for. Uh, and so I think right now is a fantastic time, fantastic time to talk about, you know, leadership. And you got this great book that you just had came out, the the Servant Leaders Manifesto, which I'm about halfway through. And I got to say, it's a fantastic book. Um, I think that anybody out there who is the leader of any people, I don't care if you're a manager of one person, you should read this book. I, you know, even if you're just a manager of yourself, you should read this book. Uh, it's very, very, very good. So, Omar, kudos you. to you on that. I mean, let me get the applause for you. <laughs> ah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate that. Socially distanced digital in-studio audience, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> so, so Omar, let's let's kind yeah, of got the interactivity going. But let, let's start at the beginning. Let's start at the beginning. I mean, uh, I know that uh, you kind of just fell into pharmaceutical as you were trying to get some internships and such, and and then ultimately you've uh, led you all the way through your you know twenty year career doing that, and and then now moving into coaching and writing books, and you know really trying to give back to the uh, uh, to the to the leadership community with all the stuff that you've learned. So let's kind of start at the beginning, and you know tell us the story of how you got where you are and where was that aha moment where you found your frequency? Well, I think that uh, the good thing about leadership is that um, you're always finding and refining and, and fine tuning your frequency as you go along, uh, as you matriculate through your career or whatever it is. So I think that 
I think we operate at different frequencies when we start off as an individual contributor, working for a team, you learn some things there. So I think the first aha moment for me was early on in my, my farmer career when I had a, a manager who I would say, I wouldn't call her a, quite a toxic leader, but I had someone who just wasn't, someone who was uh, oriented towards people. And so she was more oriented towards work. I was a very uh, high paid MBA student who just came out of, uh, fresh out of, uh, out of business school and I was being paid uh, not a small sum of money to basically proofread PowerPoint decks uh, for all day long. So I would come to work and have a stack of PowerPoints and my whole entire job for the day was basically to find typos in these presentations before they were sent on to medical legal review. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I'll tell you right that at that point, I was not in, in tune with my frequency at that moment. I was definitely far away from my frequency. <laughs> that, so doesn't, that doesn't sound I, I felt quite miserable no, I felt quite <laughs> miserable um, at work at that point. I, and I just started my career. Um, but it, was, it wasn't until I really joined uh, this high performance team with a set of le three, three layers of leaders who really uh, leaned into me and helped me find uncover my strengths. So I put the strengths finder was a key, uh, key element to me finding my frequency in. And these leaders actually redesigned my job around what I was good at. And because of they because they did that, I began to began to achieve greater and greater success faster than I ever thought possible. I was promoted four times in three years, and ultimately began. I went from a individual contributor and associate product manager to uh, director of marketing in, in in little under three years. Um, and it was only because they tapped into what I was great at. And I think that so the first thing I would I would advocate for anybody listening is. The key to finding your frequency for me has always been leaning into what I'm naturally good at. So I think the, answering the question, what are you good at? And then of course, then trying to see if you can merge that question with what do you love to do? So I think the second key moment was then uh, learning that what I really love to do is to write, to advocate, to, to, to speak out on positive leadership practices, to be a example of leadership for others and also to uh, fight against what I look at as toxic leadership practices. So I think as I my career progressed, um, the next stage of my frequency was really beginning to to fight the good fight in terms of making sure people were living their best lives at work. Yeah, and I think that's kind of a, a tough thing for people to do is to live their best life. You know, they kind of get in their own way. You know, we were talking on a show that aired a couple of weeks ago about, um, you know, like the, the power of your own mind and getting out of your own way. Uh, and I think a lot of times, uh, you know, leaders, leaders get stuck. You know, I, I always use this, this, uh, this analogy on the show. It's you not know, like a, like a four by four dually. It's stuck in the mud, right? It's just spinning the tires and spinning the tires and, you know, not really going where it needs to go. So, um, I, I like the idea that you, you, you leveraged, uh, the things that you learned, uh, in, in your positions and in your executive positions, um, to kind of really come out of that on the other end with uh, a, you know, a type of mentality of how like, you know, leadership should be. Um, I think you like to call it leadership 3.0, right? Uh, the, the servant leadership 3.0. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so yeah. tell us a little bit of a story about, um, you know, what's the difference? How, like, how do you, as you know, let's say I'm an employee, right. And uh, I don't want to work for toxic leadership. How do you, uh, how do you identify that toxic leadership as an employee so you can make a decision whether you're going to be there or not? Well, you'll, 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 it's very easy to detect a toxic leader 
And it doesn't mean that someone is berating you and yelling at you and cursing you and calling you out of your name. It's very simple. A toxic leader is any leader who orients the work towards themselves and not towards the customer. So when you feel like you're working for someone and not working for the mission or working for something that's gonna add value to the end customer or end consumer of your products, you're working for ultimately for a toxic leader because that individual uh, is not going to work, is not concerned about developing yourself. They're not even concerned about their own self-development. They're only concerned about internal politics and trying to remain afloat amidst the sea of stormy seas of, of, of corporate politics and things of that nature. So anytime you feel like you are, all of your efforts are to please someone else and that someone else is not the customer, you're working for a toxic leader. Oh, so, so well put. I, I don't know how many people I've had conversations with where, you know, I, I always make the analogy, like as a leader, like, you know, I'm, I'm never willing to ask any of my employees to do something that I'm not willing to do myself. Number one. Uh, and number two, everything we do every day, it has to be geared towards the consumer. How do you, or the customer, how do you grow a business? If that's not what you're doing every day, if you're not, right. if you're not working for your customers and listening to what your customers wants, needs, and desires are, maybe you shouldn't be in business. <laughs> but here's the amazing thing, Ryan, is that we don't, we talk about putting the customer at the heart of what we do, but we don't have the customer at the center of, of what we're doing. I wrote a recent article, which is basically uh, putting the customer first again, and this, this got launched uh, a week ago. And and it's, it's, it's startling to me how little in the corporate hall we talk about the customer. It's kind of like an after effect of all the everything else, all the nonsense that's happening inside the corporations that customers get some kind of value but there's so much more value we could be uh, offering to customers if we were really focused on them. Yeah, I like what you said earlier about, you know, um, your your company kind of designed a position for you that was around your strengths. Um, and, you know, I, I can't help but think of like football, right? Or or sports, yeah. you know, because yeah. I, I think that's what a lot of sports coaches do when they're when they're when they're when they're when they're doing things. You know, if you see a guy who's, you know, uh, not doing the best at outside linebacker, maybe he'd be better at inside linebacker, you know, and um, and, and moving those those chess pieces around and making sure that you're putting your employees and your people in the best environment for them to succeed, I think is extremely important. Um, and it also shows good leadership too, because, you know, um, I'll give you an example. I have a few guys that are on my team. One of my guys knows how to edit video really well. And a couple of my guys, they edit video just not as well as the other guy. And so, um, you know, so we shifted his responsibilities around. So that way he could have more time to do what he was better at, you know, to make sure that, um, you know, he's editing video and, and not doing minutia. Uh, and, and, and those are things I think that are really important that leadership need to understand, especially when they're, you know, working with, um, you know, people in, 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 in younger, in, in younger arenas, you know, you have Gen Z now coming up into the workforce. They're 18, 19, 20 years old. And, um, I can tell you right now from experience, I have a Gen Z person who works for me right now and the way that I communicate with a millennial is much different than the way I communicate with a Gen Z like Definitely. I'm not even picking up the phone to call her she doesn't even answer she doesn't even answer the telephone we better yeah. be you know we're texting or I'm, or I'm sending Facebook messages or something but I think that's another thing that leadership needs to understand too is you know uh, we kind of have a, 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 a huge mix of uh, you know different 
uh, different generational components that leaders are dealing with too. Um, you, you still have you still have boomers that are in 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 uh, in the workforce. Uh, not not a whole bunch, but you know, um, you have yeah. a lot of a lot of uh, uh, a lot of uh, uh, Gen Xers that are in there. You know, like yeah. me, yeah. Uh, yeah. the cuspers. You know, and millennial and yeah, Gen yeah, yeah. Z coming in. It's like you have four different generations of people. Uh, and so what's some advice that you would give a leader on on navigating, you know, the differences and nuances of that and making sure that they're putting those people in proper positions to succeed? Well, this is the most diverse workforce in the history of work. So right now, 2020, we're dealing with, you know, as you mentioned, four different generations. You have more uh, gender diversity in business than ever before, more women and women working together, more racial diversity, more uh, uh, different sexual orientations. You know, you have a lot of things happening at the same time uh, for the first time in history we work. And so the one size fits all approach is not going to work for, for these employees today. So the first thing you have to recognize is that you cannot apply a one size fits all approach to today's workforce. So what that means is you have to individualize leadership. So yeah, so we're dealing with the most diverse uh, group of people working together in history. So when you're working with this type of diversity, the one size fits all approach to leadership is really not the way to go in terms of engaging employees. And what, one of the reasons why you're seeing such rampant disengagement in all the global engagement surveys is because leaders are trying to they're trying to use the, the things they were taught. Uh, the Gen Zers and the Gen Xers and the and the Boomers who are leading organizations and teams, and even the 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 the, the Gen Xers who are who are occupying leadership positions today, VPs and whatnot, um, they're using archaic leadership methods for a brand new type of group of pool of employees. So what I talk about is individualization of of leadership, which means that the servant leader connects with each individual and sees the person, not the role. So my first job as a leader is to understand you as an individual outside of your, your role scope. Because the more I understand about you, I can, I, can, I can catch you being brilliant in more areas. So for example, you mentioned the, the, the person on your team who was great at uh, video editing, editing. Well, you know, there's people walking around with all kinds of hidden talents <laughs> that we're not capitalizing on because we're not, we're not asking the right questions. We're not individualizing our approach to each, each person on our team. So we're missing opportunities to let them be great. And it's those missing opportunities that make people disengage with work. They're like, I can be doing so much more for this company, but I'm not being asked to do everything that I can do. And I think it's the, it's the great manager, the great coach, the great leader's job to extract as much value from each of their individual employees and really develop them in the areas where they where they can be great, all once again in service of adding value to the customer and adding value to the employee themselves so they can develop and they can take your job one day. And I think that's really, really the approach to to dealing with all this diversity is really to individualize. Make it simple simple for yourself. Don't look at that homogen that heterogeneous group of people looking back at you. Look at each person. Yeah. And when you know each person then you can figure out how to navigate the group. But until you know each person individually, you're not going to be able to navigate these kind of groups that are very, very heterogeneous today. You know, and I think you said something that was that was pretty interesting. And you said, um, you know, ultimately, these people may take your job. I think a lot of leaders, you know, and, and part of the reason there's some toxic 
components there is I think they're afraid. You know, these leaders are afraid that, you know, if I allow, you know, my employees to excel to a certain extent, then, you know, what am I here for? Do I have job security? And, and right. so then they're like afraid uh, to ask questions to extract those those bits. That's actually one of the one of the, the very you know few things I actually really enjoy um, on a daily basis is taking time away from answering emails and doing executive level stuff and looking at budgets like you know we're in we're in Q4 here so of course we're, right, we're looking right. at you know budgets for 2021 and all that fun stuff but you know like right after lunch every day I'll go in and you know we have a we run a radio station so I go into the control room where the, all the audio engineers are and you know guys who aren't running shows who are editing I'm like hey so what'd you guys do this weekend what, what what's going on with your lives you know and I'm yeah. not, not 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 asking them hey here I'm, I'm not coming in here to give you more work I'm coming in here to see how your weekend was you know did you watch the football game were you excited about that because you know I know one yeah. of my guys is a Rams fan and he loves watching football over the weekend and so you know those are you know moments that him and I can have to connect as human beings um, outside exactly. of of being of being of, you know me being their boss you know um, right I think that I think the the last thing that anybody wants as a leader is to walk into a room and your employees be like oh crap my boss is here you know yeah, you fail <laughs> yeah you <laughs> it, 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 that that's an easy you, if people check out as soon as you walk into a room or people's like you know their energy drops down you're not doing your job yeah. Like, you know, I remember in my most recent position in uh, leading an organization in Brazil, when I walked into a meeting room from with my executive team, the energy came up a level. Everybody, we were, I, we were, we were locked in because, you know, my energy plus the energy means we're going to get some stuff done today. Yeah, 100%, 100%. Yeah, yeah. So, you know you have the the servant leader and you have a toxic leader and uh you put them you, you put the two leaders in one room what happens so i think that so one of the things i talk about in the book is that they're not adversaries they're just different approaches to do the same thing uh and i do tell people the reader in the book that servant leadership is a slower way initially to get things done it's always easier to tell someone what to do Hey, just do this, do this, do this. It's very easy to command and control. You know, don't listen to anybody. Don't don't have any feedback loop. Just say, listen, I want you to do this, this way, by this time. So that's, the direct approach is always going to be faster. However, that, and that's initially. But if you're developing people and focus on what's, what, what's discovering what's brilliant about them and, and having that, allowing that time, you're going slow in the beginning to go fast later on because later on, you can truly empower that person. So once they're in their domain of strength and they're doing, they know what they're supposed to do and they're engaged and they're activated by your leadership style, you, basically your only job is just to check in and see what they need, what support they need. Yeah. What problems do they have to solve? And so your job ch- changes and your, your job becomes much more dynamic because now you're just, you're, you're actually doing what you're being paid to do as a leader, which is to remove barriers for people's success. Yeah, no, and, that's awesome. And, and when you get to that stage, you're moving, you're moving a lot faster at that stage. I mean, you know, for, so a toxic leader and a servant leader in the same room, um, the servant leader's approach is going to be tuning, tuning into the people. The toxic leader's approach is going to be tuning into the task. So it's task versus people, right? And the servant leader will be able to, they're focused on the task as well, but they're focused through the people. Yeah. So they see the task, the lens of who they've got. Versus just seeing the task and not, you know, not caring who's going to do it or how well it's going to be done or all those toxic leader cares about is, you know, my boss is asking for this thing. So get it done. Yeah. 
No, and I, I love and I, I love the approach from get the leader. Yeah, and I love the approach you know that you're talking about with the servant leadership for you know team building too because um, you're 100 percent correct, and I, I can I can attest to that. When we started building the current team that we have now, um, which I feel like is the best team that I've I've worked with in 17 years here at Voice America, but um, it was slow going in the beginning wow. because. Just exactly that. We were we were trying to figure each other out, and we were trying to you know get on a, a personal level in some respects, so that way you know we all knew how to communicate appropriately with one another and and how all those nuances yeah, work. Yeah. And it took a little bit longer for us to you know get to being a um, you know a highly efficiently oiled machine in what we do. Yeah. But once we got there. Oh man, was it so much better because it's like, you know, uh, for us, our, our tasks come from customers, right? Our customers have, Hey, can you edit this? Can you fix this? Can you do this for us? Right. Right. And I'm always looking at those going, which one of my team members could execute this the best for the customer. Right. And then that, that's how tasks should be designed to give into your employees. Not, you know, okay, I have four people and four tasks to do. I'm just, it doesn't matter. You do a task, you do a task, you do a task. No, you know what? If Mary is better at writing than Joe is, and we got a writing, we're going to write a press release. Well, let's give the press release to Mary and, you know, Joe can work on his strong suit. And um, I think also the employee starts to get a sense of understanding that you as a leader have, you know, their best interest at heart too, which makes them work better for you as a leader. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, and that really, um, that blooming process when people are, or in, they're in bloom, they're, they found their frequency. So your job as a leader is to find the frequency of each of your employees. And that's what servant leaders do better than toxic leaders is they tap into each individual's frequencies and harmonize that thing. So that, the 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 organization is running like you said as a like a fine well-oiled machine are you having trouble finding hand sanitizer well spa treat has you covered there's no need to go searching high and low just visit spatreatofficial.com and place your order on their easy to use website on schedule delivery one of the great things about this product, Spa Treat Fulfillment Team is working around the clock to provide people hand sanitizer during this time of need and get your order to you as quickly as possible, even faster than Amazon. Spa Treat also has the lowest price of any of its competitors. Spa Treat has 62% alcohol content and the FDA recommends between 60 to 80 for maximum protection. This one has 62 because it doesn't dry your hands out. I use this stuff every single day. It is fantastic. It's got certified organic extracts with the ingredients in that hand sanitizer that are of the highest quality and they're designed to leave your hands smelling and feeling fresh while protecting you at the same time. The best part, there's no tricky residue left over. None. None of that sticky stuff. Four scents available, unscented, tea tree, lavender, and lemon. And best of all, this product right here is made in the good old United States of America. A lot of companies are having trouble dealing with the current demands, so Spa Treat has dedicated themselves to providing a much-needed product in the time of crisis. Spa Treat has better prices, faster shipping, and a larger supply than any of their competition. There isn't even a close second. Visit SpaTreatOfficial.com and enter promo code SPA SPA at checkout to receive 5% off your entire order. That's right. Not only are they offering the lowest price available, but they're also offering our listeners a discount. This promo code is exclusive to Voice America and only our listeners get this discount. Spa Tree and Voice America came together on this sponsorship in order to provide Americans something they could really need right now. Peace of mind. Visit SpaTreatOfficial.com and order yours today. That's Spa 
SpaTreatOfficial.com and make sure you use the promo code SPA at checkout to receive 5% off your entire order. SpaTreatOfficial.com. Get your awesome hand sanitizer. Yeah, and when you talk about that that well-oiled machine and and you know you're you're turning out good products for your customers and your customers are happy, you know, um, with this leadership 3.0, um, you know, and, and you talk about shifting from control to collaboration model, um, you know, explain that just a little bit. So once again, so we're, we're applying, it's a, you know, a, a, a square peg into a round hole right now. We are, you know, today, in today's day, day and age, we get things done through collaboration and technology. That's basically how work is done today. Uh, but we have a lot of leaders who are still in the command and control model of the 80s and 90s and early 2000s, which was basically the tasks come down from on high and who's directing those tasks are shareholders. So basically, you know, our, our share price is not where we want it to be. So we reorganize our entire strategy as an organization to try to make our shareholders happy, whether or not that's what the customer needs or wants and whatnot. And so we're looking up versus looking at the customer. And anytime you lose, and, and that's what the command and control uh, 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 archetype of leadership is all about. It's about managing the wrong stakeholder. I believe the shareholders will get their returns when customers are ultimately happy with the product and they're loyal and they're staying with you. Like it's, it's, that is what, that's what gets it done, not the management of perception of shareholders. So a lot of, a lot of the job of CEOs today is managing shareholder perception about the work that's being done, not necessarily the actual work that's being done. Shareholders are very, shareholders are as far away from a customer as they possibly can be. And that's one of the big problems because shareholders of products are not necessarily users of products. They're owners of the company, right? So they look at things through a very, very different lens. And that's one of the issues of reorienting the organization today. We have to reorient back to what the customer wants. And we, when we tune into the customer needs again, and we reorient the entire organization in that way, that's when we can begin to innovate, uh, uh, leverage our technology, leverage the strength of our teams, and, and, and really begin to delight customers. So because we have to delight customers, uh, not just serve customers. Like the idea of the bar should be a bit higher uh, than it is right now. And right now it seems like companies just tolerate customer, which is ridiculous. Like why did you get in business <laughs> if you were just gonna tolerate your customers, right? You should love and, and the customers be loved. The employees precious. And and that's how we need to look at look at this. People have a choice of where they want to work and for whom they want to work, more so now than ever before. And if you haven't figured this out as, a, as an organization, you're going to have that, that talent drain, that brain drain, and you're going to find yourself in this rut where, you, where you're having an inability to actually deliver on shareholder expectations because your, your organization has lost its heart and soul. Yeah, and I think the heart and soul of an organization are those employees who are working with the customers and the customers. Exactly. That that's what exactly. makes the core of of, of any yeah. good business. I was going to make a little joke, and I was like, you know, uh, so you're telling me that if you have a really great product and you treat your customers really well, then your company grows, and then the stakeholders make money. So then you don't have to work from the the top down. You can work from the you know like like the middle out, right? From the customer. Uh, yeah, yeah. Wow, that's an interesting concept. I don't understand why well, that isn't. Con- why is that not, Omar? Why is that not is, common sense with people today, man? This is not <laughs> rocket science, right? This is not rocket science. I mean, you know, uh, it, it. But but we've gotten once again, we have to understand why the hierarchy was created. 
and, and, and what motivates those in the hierarchy versus those who work for the customer. So the higher up you move in an organization, you begin to, your ego gets boosted. And when the ego gets involved in leadership, that's when you begin to lose your, lose your focus a bit. Uh, you start doing it for yourself or you start looking up and like, oh, my boss has this house and I want that house one day. So how fast can I get that house? Well, okay, command and control. And then you get to that level and you're like, oh, so how fast can I get to my, can I get, to, can I be CEO one day? Well, what do they do? Okay, they just, you know, sit around and manage the shareholders. I'm gonna do what they do. So we're following the wrong examples. And ultimately we're not actually deriving all the value that we could be deriving from our products, from our services, from our employees, because we're trying to serve the ego and not serve the customer. You guys have to check out this new service that I'm playing around with called Issue. It is totally amazing. You live to create, but you don't live to worry over the last nitpicky details involved in putting final touches on contact. You got to do what you do best and let Issue handle the rest. If you're a creative, you know the drill. You're finally done editing. It's perfect. Now you just need format and reformat for every single platform. With Issue, make it once and it's ready to post everywhere. Seriously, Issue is the all-in-one platform to create and distribute beautiful digital publications from brochures to magazines and sales collateral. It's perfect for creators, marketers, designers, educators, publishers, salespeople, or just anyone that wants to make eye-catching content that can be distributed on multiple platforms. Issue makes it really simple. Just upload the PDFs and files and Issue transforms them using your vision and customizable templates to create the content you want. With Issue, you just create it one time and distribute it everywhere. Everything is optimized to post on your website, social platforms like Instagram and Facebook. They can even help you make animated Instagram stories. And the best part about it, it is free. F-R-E-E free. That's right. It's free to get started with Issue. So go to issue.info slash frequency to sign up for your free account. That's I-S-S-U-U dot info slash frequency to sign up and let them know that you heard about it from this show, Finding Your Frequency. Remember, that's dot info, not dot com, dot info. So go to I-S-S-U-U dot info slash frequency and get your free account today. So what are some characteristics of servant leadership that, um, you know, CEOs and, and people who are hiring executive level membership for their organization, what, what, what should they be looking out for, uh, you know, in that hiring process when they're hiring new leadership to their business? Because I know this is, this is going to be huge in 2021 as, you know, the economy starts to oh, hopefully yeah. cross my fingers, right? Hopefully rebound after COVID. <laughs> and, you know, you, you yeah. have a lot of people who lost jobs. And so I think that as the economy starts to come back and things get back to you know uh, pre-pandemic levels we're gonna have a lot of positions that will be rehiring uh, for and a lot of yeah. those are going to be leadership positions because I feel like a lot of the positions that were lost because of covid you know were leadership positions because you know you have to have people that are engaging customer service representatives you know those people are like must have individuals to be able to keep the business going and I think from any business perspective if you're going to trim something to make sure that the business can stay afloat, you know, those higher paying jobs in the leadership roles will probably be the first ones that got cut because of their, you know, the expense to the company and you maybe not as uh, important to uh, the overall efficiency of the, the, you know, delivering the product, so to speak. Um, but as this stuff starts to return, uh, what are those characteristics that people should be looking for? So for me, uh, for leaders specifically, it's uh, a servant leader has three main attributes. Uh, humility, will, and empathy. 
So humility, humility, will, and empathy are the three things that you should be looking for in a leader beyond their experience and managing crises and uh, and directing workflows and things of that nature. It's more about, so first of all, is this person, how do they approach uh, difficulty and challenge? Do they approach with curiosity or with ego? So you'll see it. In a, and if you ask that question, a behavioral interview question, tell me about uh, a crisis or a difficult challenge you had to manage in your work and how did you go about doing that? The ego-driven leader will will automatically focus on, well, you know, I, I knew what to do. I waited in, I commanded, I knew what to do, and I kind of, and the the, the servant leader t- leadership type will be more like, well, we didn't really know everything we needed to know initially, so we began we began gathering information. So the humble leader uh, understands in the face of any major decision, you need to gather information and understand and get more data uh, for you to make it and, and be humble in the face of the challenge, not. Uh, not egotistical in the face of the challenge, right? Yeah, so maybe maybe you know, a- ask your team. I mean, it's not just a yeah, problem that yeah. the leader has to solve. It's something that we all have to solve, you know? So exactly. where's that going to get that collaboration going on? Yeah, tap into the group. And so that's, that's you'll hear, you'll listen for these cues. Will is about, you know, how how hard are you going to work? What's your work ethic like? Do you stop when the, the till before the work is done or do you keep going until the work is done, you keep. Do you never stop until the job is done? And then, what is a job? How do you define the job that you're trying to do? So, what are you working for? What are you working towards? That's that's very important. And then, lastly, empathy. So, that caring that's that's so missing from enterprises today. Like we have people who really know that their manager does not give a crap about them. Like they, I mean, you ask one question to your employee, to employees. You know, on a scale of one to five, five being my manager loves me and one being my manager does not give a crap about me, where do you think you fall on the scale with your manager? The number of ones and twos and threes you would get in that, in that survey today would be uh, mind boggling because there is no empathy. And managers, you know, you walk, watch people walking through the offices and you can, you know, you can see when someone's up or down or having a good day or having a bad day. And if you're not checking into your people, then you're missing, missing a major trick, especially now with the Zoom calls. Because you know now with 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 virtual working, um, you have to be even more in tune to your employees, looking at those screens, looking at the boxes, and trying to figure out <laughs> what's going on in people's lives. But you have, but you also have a window into people's lives you never had before. So the wise leader and the empathetic leader is going to be looking in and seeing, for example, you know, understanding that somebody might have their kids might be having a test right now at the same time you're having a meeting or some other type of distraction, which is taking them away from being maximally productive. So having that sense of empathy, put yourself in other people's shoes is very important for, for servant leaders. It's not about being nice. So people mistake servant leadership for being nice people. No, it's, it's about, it's still about the task. It's still about the purpose, but it's how you approach achieving the goal, which is through humility, through your, your tireless will, and through caring about the people who are going to get you there the entire way. Yeah, and I think especially with the, you know, at-home workforce that's happening right now, and I know this has happened to me a, a few times, you know, somebody working from home and, you know, their cat walks across the screen. And I'm like, hey, I didn't even know you had, I didn't even know you had cats. Like, I didn't know you, you know, the, so I learned something new about our folks all the time. You yeah. know? And, yeah. Uh, and, and that's happened before, too. You know, you have somebody who's dealing with, you know, their kids are, are doing at-home school. And, and, and I think a servant leader would, would say, hey, you know what? Um, 
whatever we need from you in the meeting, um, I'll shoot you an email giving you that that bits of information. You go off, you go go take care of your kid or whatever you need to do. And you know, yeah. um, once once you guys get done with school today, um, if you could, you know, you know, get that done. I still need it done today, but I don't need it done right now. Go deal with go right. deal with the now now and work on the other stuff later. And I think a lot exactly. of people don't take that approach of um, you know sometimes I'm not, I don't necessarily care how something gets done as long as it does get done right because like if you have a yeah. better way like yeah I train people when they come on board but if you find a better way than mine is like um, a I would like to know about it because if I'm doing something that's l- less efficient and you know a better way to do it well I want to do it your way too <laughs> <laughs> exactly I, I only get in, I only get into people's lives in terms of how they work when I see that how they work is burning them out that's the only time I enter someone's life about how they're getting something done when I see that the way they're working is not efficient then I will weigh in and be like listen you know what are you doing to yourself how can I help you be better at this because some people they're they're not efficient you know I've had employees who you want to do something uh, just to start off being a servant leader ask each of your employees to open up their outlook and see how many emails they have unread in their inbox (laughs) you will see people with 2,000 emails uh, 300 700 that's just stress that person hasn't figured out how to do work yet. So help them with that before you get into the task. Cause you're just adding more emails on top of the 2000 basically at that point. So that's why we got rid of, know, that's why we got rid uh, of emails. We put everything that we do internally in a ticket, yeah. in a ticketing system. You know what I mean? Like, I don't yeah. no, you know. Yeah, yeah. Every, everyone gets assigned the task. You know what? It's all done inside the ticketing system. You know, if you get an email, it's probably a, a company announcement saying, you know, we're, you know, we used to have potlucks right. and you know, we're going to go bowling on the end, at the end of the quarter, <laughs> you know, <laughs> those kind of things. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. Because email is ruining people's lives, and and and, but it's very telling about how someone works. Yeah, I got a problem with email specifically for me personally. Like, I can't leave or, or say <laughs> I'm done for the day unless there's zero unread emails in my inbox. And I think sometimes it's maybe a bit of a fault because some stuff it's like, yeah, you don't really need, you could have left that for tomorrow. But I'm also extremely efficient yeah. at that. You know, the first thing I do when I check emails is I go check for the stuff I don't need, I don't need to do, right? Instead of going right. through and finding right, the things right. that I need to do, it's like, okay, I just, and, and I get a bunch of emails, three, four, 500 a day, right? And so the first thing that I do in the yeah. morning when I get to the office is, all right, let's go assess the inbox and extract the things that I don't need to do, get those out of my way so it's not cluttering up my inbox and then start. Yep. prioritizing the task and let's go but so many people don't know how to, that basic thing you just mentioned don't have <laughs> people don't know how to do that they they, they don't know how to do it. Then they get overwhelmed and then they basically get lost yeah you know the next thing that's gonna happen is your emails as boss are gonna get lost and then you're like okay why didn't you see that and you look <laughs> at their inbox oh you have 2,000 emails okay, now, I, I know why you didn't get that so yeah well, so I think we're kind of talking about one of the other points is you know how servant leaders can help organizations right um, uh, how how does yeah. that how does that person uh, I know for me specifically I'm I'm always like okay let me help you with your inbox. I am an Outlook master. You know, I, I got color codes yeah, for yeah, stuff, yeah, yeah. I, you know, flags and when it's due and all that fun stuff. And um, I, I had, especially my younger employees that come in, you know, they're not quite as skilled with, you know, office products and the software. You know, they know right, right, right. they can launch a social media campaign on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok like no one's, no one's <laughs> business, you know, but maybe not know how to exactly. manage the emails. Uh, but how do right. how do servant leaders help organizations to create and foster an environment for uh, for success for both the employee and the customer? 
So I think that the great, the brilliance of servant leadership is that it is all about the purpose. So it's it's servant leaders are in the middle of the organization, kind of with a with a flag up, like, hey guys, this is what we're supposed to be doing. This is what's important at all times. So the servant leader kind of has the ball in terms of this is what's most important to our business at any given time, and that's usually coming from. The, either their employees who are dealing with the customer or the customer themselves. Basically, they remain in highly in tune with that level of the organization, no matter how far away they get. If they're a CEO, they remain in tune with that level of the organization. If they're, if they're a, a frontline manager, they remain in tune with that level of the organization. So they are like the keepers of the voice of the employee and the keepers of the voice of the customer. And that kind of like, uh, the, the ability to hold that and keep that, the, that focus it drives great value within the organization because in the culture that coalesces around that type of individual was a culture of, okay, so then what are the barriers that my employees are facing that we need to definitely fix and get out of the way? And then what are the things that will add more and more value innovations we need to think about for our customers? And anything else in those two things, that should be 85% of the work. 50% is always going to be nonsense. But if you can, servant leaders really reorient work, what work actually is away from busy work, away from things that don't add value to doing the highest value activity at any given time. I mean, there were days when I'm working where we had solved most of the problems, so my day looks pretty easy. So I just start checking in with people on an individual level. Like, how can I help? So you're always in tune with the people doing the work, the bigger, pic the bigger picture and the purpose. And you're always making progress. So I think that servant leaders are are the people who herald progress within within an organization because of that innate ability to be, be in tune with what's most important at any given time. Now I like what you said too about checking in with your people on 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 a day that you know you as a leader might have you know completed some of your tasks early and you know. Um, like how, how good does it make an employee feel when your boss comes to you and says, Hey, instead of me leaving early, um, cause I got my stuff done. Um, is there anything that I can help you with? Are you stuck somewhere? Yeah. Do you have a couple of, you know, uh, customer, uh, customer service tickets or something you need help with or, or whatever. Yeah. I, I think that that goes, that goes so far with your employees, uh, as a leadership. Cause I think then they realize that you actually care about what they're doing in their workload and, 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 and what effort they're putting into their positions. I could walk into any meeting rooms. I ran a business with, with 350 employees, most, like, most, most recently or so. I could walk into any meeting room where work was happening and people would not look at me like, oh my God, Omar's here. They were like, okay, what, we know when Omar walks into a room, here's the problem we're trying to solve. Yeah. So Omar, you got something for us? <laughs> you know, now I'm like, listen, guys, it's your job to figure this stuff out, but I can give you some orientations. You know, I can kind of like uh, add, give you my three or four questions about that, and then walk out the room and keep 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 it moving. But but I, you're always you're you always have work to do when you're trying to remove barriers, uh, your people's barriers to progress. You always have something to do. Yeah, I think so many times, uh, you know, the the leader just expects the employee just to kind of, you know, robotically go about their their day and, and you know, as mundane or non-mundane, you know, tasks or practices that they're working on, um, you know, like when's <laughs> if you have a toxic leader, when's the last time that dude was like, hey, oh, you're having a problem with a customer. Let me call him. I'll call him for you. Let me talk to the customer Never. directly. Never. Right. And I, and I think that's, that's so, so much loss. If leaders would take the time to 
get to know some of the problems that their employees are dealing with, uh, with customers or, cu- or uh, customer problems that are being brought up that are being dealt with by employees. Like how much better are you at the business? Not to mention like, and then, you know, if you're a leader, now I can go back to the CEO and be like, hey, we've had a big problem here. We've had, you know, this same issue been brought up by our customers now three different times. We've solved it for those customers, but right. we as an organization have a problem right. that we need to solve because we can't keep having this happen. We've got to make an adjustment from, you know, a, a product right. standpoint or whatever the case may be. Like, and I, I feel like if you're not driving your right. product or you're not engaging with your own customers from a lots of levels, uh, that's what one of the things I, you know, I had told you I worked here for 17 years. One of the things I absolutely love about about working here is our CEO, right? We don't have shareholders. It's a, he owns the company. He is the shareholder, right? And, right. and what's yeah. so awesome is, you know, our sales team will get into ruts and have problems and saying, oh, this person, you know, is, is, you know, is excited about using the product, but I can't answer some of these questions. And the first thing he says is, oh, let's get, let's get him on a call. I'll jump on with you. And I'm like, yeah, that's amazing. You know, a CEO is saying to some of the, yeah. you know, a regular old salesperson like, oh, you got a barrier. You know what? I'll get on the phone with you, too. Not only are you coaching and teaching well, that person exactly at that time, it. you know, also, what does it show the potential customer too that the CEO just took time to jump on and answer questions that the other person wasn't able to answer because they may have been new, maybe they didn't have the knowledge. It makes a huge difference. I mean, right. But unfortunately, work today is about weakness fixing. It's about finding people to blame or watching your own butt. That's mm-hmm. so much of what people are doing today is basically getting de, 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 they're getting a manager who's only focused on what they're bad at, what, how they're not doing their role well, um, blaming them when they don't do their role well, and then uh, trying to project perfection around project management and things of that nature, basically trying to project invulnerability. We don't do anything wrong. This department gets it done right the first time, every time. That whole- <laughs> No department does that, get out of here. <laughs> of, yeah, but but that whole idea of, 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 you know, of being perfect in business and doing it right the first time, unless it's a, a, a values issue or something to deal with integrity or ethics and compliance, it's not about, you You don't learn when you do things right the first time, every time. You need to mess up a little bit. You need to break a few eggs to make some great omelets. I think it's about, you know, fostering a sense of it's okay to fail. We're going to fail forward. I want you to try new stuff. I want you to innovate. I want you to, to throw stuff against the wall and see what sticks. We have time for that because that's how we really learn and that's how we really innovate. Servant leaders are much more attuned to that type of leadership than the traditional hierarchical leaders, which basically are individuals who are scared to death of failure in organizations. And we, we create these cultures that permeate where it basically, you know, if you fail, then you're gonna be out of the company, you're gonna lose your job. And that's not actually how work is done today. You know, the agile method sprints and all these you know tech companies, they work on, you know, fail fast, fail forward, scale quickly, you know, learn from failure. I but love, the rest of business, you know, I banking and and you know you know all these companies they're built on oh my god if i launch a new model of a ford car and that car doesn't sell well against our projections i'm going to lose my job rather than what was right about the car what went wrong with the car and how can we do better next time yeah you know i'm going to lose my job and that's so then people begin to try to protect their territory and that's really where toxic leadership begins to come out of because it's it's the benefits of higher level of positions, but also it's the it's the fear of losing your spot. 
Yeah, and I think that's a big problem, you know. And I, it's, I also think that 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 creates the inability for a company to scale and grow properly and bring in additional revenues, which ultimately make everybody happy. Um, you know, you, you can't you can't exactly. be afraid of that stuff. I, I you know what I I I I, I wish my I wish some of the, I wish some of the guys on my team like you, come take my job, please. I, you know, like if you're Please. if you're if you're taking my job, I'm doing something right, and I, I'm going somewhere else. Exactly. Maybe I'm retiring if you're exactly. taking my job. You know, because the, yeah. you know, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah and I, I think a lot of people need to do. That. Let's talk about crisis a little bit because I know we're you know uh, yeah. you know get this pandemic stuff going on, and you know I want I want to talk about the difference between uh, how a servant leader would deal with the crisis versus your uh, a toxic leader, and 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 how companies can you know, leverage those servant leaders in this particular environment to still um, maintain cohesive uh, relationships with their employees and also still stay productive. Right, right. Well, I think the, the first thing you saw when the pandemic hit, and I think that the pandemic is a great mirror for people to see what are what are the good companies and what are the bad companies. So I'm, I'm using the pandemic as a, as a lens into companies management, as I'm investing in companies as well, I'm trying to figure out who I want to invest in. And you can see the companies that are servant leader led and the companies that are not. The servant leader led companies, their first reaction to the pandemic was not the bottom line. Amazon, as an example, they, they told their shareholders, we're gonna lose $4.5 billion in the second quarter, because we're gonna spend this much money to scale up, we're gonna hire 200,000 more employees, Okay, we're gonna we're basically take, we need we need to basically have an always on approach to our customer service, and we need to drive more value for customers who are going to be buying in this way. Whereas other companies, their first reaction was cost cutting and cost saving, furloughs, uh, firing you know the frontline employees, mm -hmm. basically everything just to try to protect the bottom line. Which everybody who knows business knows that you're not going to hit the number this year. It's impossible. So change the measuring stick. So for me, as an example, when I was going through this crisis and I, and, and I was you know dealing with uh, customers in Brazil, I told my team that our bar was not losing any customer because of COVID. So I said, guys, that's the bar. So do whatever you got to do. Keep them. But our mission is to lose no customers. Yeah. That's all, so every decision we make as an organization is to ensure customer retention at this time, to ensure our customers feel our positive intention and our actions that keep them afloat because we were dealing with small business owners at the time. And so it was crucial yeah. that we had that. So I, I created clarity. So servant leaders create clarity for the organization. What's most important at this time? Keep the customers on board with us. Do not lose customers. Don't let anyone poach us. I think that for, I'll give you an example, what Zoom was able to do, why is Zoom the platform that took off during COVID? You have Microsoft Teams, you have WebEx, you have uh, uh, GoToMeeting, you have all these far more established companies that were in the space and they all lost market share to Zoom mm -hmm. during this crisis. Zoom scaled, that's right? exactly what they did. They scaled immediately and, and, and they leveraged, immediately immediately so they they leaned into the crisis they found opportunity in the crisis and they weren't just focused on oh my god our projections for this year are taking a hit and it wasn't about the once again the toxic leader is all about my own job i'm scared about losing my job 
So I will do anything to keep my job, including not even arguing when you say we want to cut thousands of people's lives, jobs or whatnot. We won't, you know, the companies that made those types of decisions, those were all companies where the executive management is trying to basically watch their own back. Yeah. And we as the customers of those companies should react to term. Hertz, for me, for example, I'm not a Hertz customer anymore. They lost me during this crisis because, you know, their CEO made $9 million in bonuses last year. The first thing they did was fire 12,000 12, employees and then furlough the other 3,000 and then declare bankruptcy. So, you know, and Avis didn't do that. So I'm going to work with Avis now because, <laughs> you know, I know how this, co- I know this company doesn't represent my values, yeah. right? And I think that that's the lens people are thinking about today. Now companies have to reflect the values of their customers more and more, not just have great products, but also reflect the values and the desires and the causes of their customers at the same time. And servant leaders are far more in tune with those things than toxic leaders are. Toxic leaders are only about bottom line, me, me, me. Hey everybody, I wanted to tell you about this great shaving product that I've been using lately. Not only is it awesome, It will save you money, enough to buy 26 cups of coffee in New York City or three deep dish pizza dinners in Chicago. Harry's is an awesome product. It delivers high quality razor blades as low as $2 each, a fraction of the price of leading brands and saving you hundreds of dollars at the same time. I really like the way that Harry's works. It has a very close shave. It's got a great design for the handle and also the scent of the shave gel is fantastic and it leaves your skin nice and smooth. You can get a trial set delivered to your doorstep by going to harrys.com forward slash frequency. Quality, durable blades at a fair price, just two bucks a blade. They've cut out middlemen manufacturing blades in their German blade factory that's been honing precision blades for a century. I'm telling you, I use this product and it is absolutely amazing. Harry's has all your grooming needs covered in just one stop. You can get blades, hair care, shower products, all on harrys.com. And just like their blades, Harry is committed to providing premium products without breaking the bank. Again, visit harrys.com forward slash frequency. I want to make sure that everybody gets the chance to go check it out. You can feel better too about the purchase because 1% of their proceeds are set aside for nonprofit organizations developed to helping provide access to better mental health care for men and veterans. How could you not get behind the veterans? So important nowadays. Listeners of the show can redeem their Harry's trial set at harrys.com forward slash frequency. You'll get a weighted ergonomic handle for a firm grip, five blade razor with a lubricating strip and a trimmer blade. I use it every day. Rich lathering shave gel with aloe to keep your skin hydrated. And I'm telling you, when you get done shaving, your face will feel so smooth. It's amazing. You even get a travel blade cover to keep your razors dry and easy to grab on the go. So make sure you go to harrys.com dot com forward slash frequency to start shaving and saving today. Yeah, very, very well said. And I, I just, you know, I got to throw a, a, a little kudos to Voice America. We did not fire one single employee. Um, we had an employee quit, but we didn't we didn't get, we didn't fire anybody uh, that, that, you know, that's uh, great. And uh, we, we did the same thing. We were we were really focused on customer retention. We did have a little bit of a challenge because a lot of our customers are small business owners, too, who are doing, you know, radio shows right, and podcasts right. to promote their products, goods and services. And, you know, when you have a radio show that's all about yoga and your yoga studios closed down because you can't have anybody come there. 
you might you might cut a little bit of your marketing yeah. so that we we did lose a couple of the customers in that respect just because it, you know they they're in a particular position where their doors are literally not able to be open they have no cash flow whatsoever right. and it's really hard to have a customer that right. you, like we, we can't do stuff for free as much as we would love to retain everybody yeah. you you, yeah, yeah. you got to kind of make some concessions but yeah no I love that approach and you know I think uh, there are some companies that I I won't be doing business with knowing how they reacted to the pandemic and I think that's what customers are, uh, yep. uh, customers are doing now too. Customers are paying a lot more attention to you know, what is the company's core values and what are they about um, and doing business with ones that they feel uh, are in line with them. And I feel like, uh, you know, there's a lot of that going on because there's, you know, it, with technology, there's a technology solution to like every problem that you could possibly think of exactly. or anything that you want to do. And so many different, uh, yep. uh, you know, uh, uh, competitors in a lot of the spaces and so if you're not on your a game and doing things the right way those customers know that and they'll go somewhere else right now 100 percent, 100 percent. and and this is going to be the lens by which you know a lot of companies are going to be judged moving forward because you have a great in time 2020 is going to be a year where you can see who lives their values those words the mission statements the purpose statements that are all <laughs> on the walls who lived those values and who didn't I got mine right there. I, a, I, keep, I keep mine right in my <laughs> office, right there. So every time I is. turn around, it's always right there. <laughs> it, it, it's right there. Yeah. But it's going to be something that, that divides the seas. You'll be able to see who's on the right side and who's on the left side um, after this. And I think that um, we, we are paying attention. And, and I do believe that the companies that are on the right side have more, they're exhibiting more servant leadership principles, whether they would call themselves that or not. They are leaning into those kind of principles more so than toxic principles as they go through these crises. Well, Omar, we're wrap, uh, running up against the clock here for our hour, but I wanted to thank you so much for being on. I wanted to also tell everybody, make sure you guys go on all places that books are sold and go get this book right here, The Servant Leaders Manifesto, uh, Manifesto with Omar L. Harris writing this book. What a great book. And um, your insights today are invaluable. You guys who are running businesses, uh, if, even if you're starting a business, this, this, this type of methodology or ideal should be part of your business plan. It should be part of your you know, from the beginning, this is how we're going to operate. From the beginning, these are the people we're going to hire. And I don't care if you work at McDonald's and it's somebody who's in the back room flipping burgers, right? That person can be a servant leader as well. You know, of I think course. I think you need to hire servant leadership even at the lowest possible entry level positions of any business because those people are going to grow with the company. Um, they're going to um, show you their value in, di in different ways. And so even hiring all the way at the bottom of the business is important that those are servant leaders also 100 right you couldn't have said it, i couldn't have said it better myself I mean, it, it it's it's how you it, it's the, the the people value the value put in people and the way you hire people right from the beginning it's really hard to fix when you screw it up yeah, it sure is. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a lot better to be proactive than reactive. Exactly. Always, always. So, Omar, how do people get in touch with you? Uh, uh, what's your socials, website, all that fun stuff? Well, the best way is uh, my website, www.omarlharris.com. You can find me on LinkedIn, Omar L. Harris. You can find me on uh, Twitter, Strengths Leader. Find me on Instagram, Omar L. Harris. Facebook, author, coach, 
um, and just Google my name, Omar L. Harris, and all these things will pop up. So basically, you'll have access to me on Amazon.com is where you can get uh, get the Server Leaders Manifesto, my previous book, Leaderboard: The DNA of High Performance Teams. I have another a new book coming out uh, in a few months as well called uh, Be a Jedi Leader, Not a Boss, and that's going to be an exciting one as well. So hopefully, we can talk about that one when that book comes out as well, right? Oh, I'd love to have you back on. I love having these kind of conversations, and uh, you know, you can you can just tell by talking to you for the last fifty three minutes what kind of a, a human human being you are and what you're really trying to accomplish with your life. And Thank you. um, I really feel like you've, you've, you've found your frequency and you know where you're going and what you want out of life. And uh, that's like the best feeling in the world. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Yes. Agreed. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Finding Your Frequency right here on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Make sure you tune in each week, uh, Friday at 12 o'clock Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern on our Variety Channel. And if you listen to us on demand or on your favorite podcast, uh, or what I like to call your pod catchers, Spotify's and Apple's and all those fun things, please make sure to give us a rating of five stars because five stars is way better than four and Omar and I deserve it. Uh, thank you guys again for tuning in to Finding Your Frequency. I'm Ryan Treasure and we'll talk to you again next week right here on the Voice America Talk Radio Network.